This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. You may remember it was about two weeks ago that President Biden signed an executive order which expected to be maybe the first step in having a level of oversight on the cryptocurrency world. A variety of federal agencies are now tasked with a range of duties, first and foremost, developing policy to protect consumers, investors, and businesses, as well as uh, deal uh, with the potential of protecting national security elements and others. Kevin Warbach is a professor of legal studies and business ethics at Warden. He reacted to uh, the move by the Biden administration with his thoughts on what needs to be done by the government in a recent post. He also says that there is a bit of a comparison we should consider and what may need to be done now with what was done when e-commerce came out, thinking back to the late 1990s. Kevin, great to have you back with us. Thanks for a few moments today. My pleasure, Dan. So let's start right there with that comparison uh, that you mentioned in your piece, thinking back to the early days of e-commerce and what you saw firsthand uh, and what we may be seeing play out right now. I was in charge of Internet policy at the Federal Communications Commission back uh, in the Clinton administration in the late 1990s. And we all knew that the Internet was happening. Uh, Al Gore famously talked about the information superhighway. And companies like Yahoo and eBay and Amazon started up uh, selling things online. Um, There was this whole wave of e-commerce that was starting, and it raised all sorts of legal and regulatory questions. And there were some who said, oh, we should should beat this back. We should stop it. We should tax it. It's, It's unfair competition with existing services and so forth. And it was clear that there needed to be some level of coordination. It was clear that the the White House, the U.S. government, needed to express its views. The rest of the world was was looking at us, trying to understand how government should deal with the Internet. And so I was fortunate to be part of a process that, that resulted in something called the Framework for Global Electronic Commerce in 1997 that was issued by the White House, which basically brought together all of the agencies, all of the government stakeholders, and set forth a set of principles, which basically said, we support the growth of this innovative new technology. We want government to not unnecessarily get in the way, but we need to address these issues. We need to ensure that Americans are protected, um, that there is free trade, that we deal with intellectual property and and crime and all those issues. Um, So that's very similar to the landscape today with with cryptocurrencies or or digital assets as we talk about them more broadly. There's a tremendous amount happening. There's a lot of innovation, but there also are all kinds of problems and concerns. And this executive order by the Biden administration is a very important step in engaging throughout the whole federal government on those issues. Well, and and I think you also have to compare the times as well in terms of the, the differences that there are now in comparison to back then as well in terms of the technology and the development, et cetera. Yeah, back in the 1990s, there were less than 100 million people on the entire Internet globally, and almost all of them were in the United States uh, and a few other countries. So even though it seemed big at the time, and and, and we could see, those of us who were involved, how big the potential was, um, it was still fairly small and it was still very U.S.-centric. The U.S. had room to say, these are our policies, and the rest of the world really had to follow along. Things are somewhat different now with digital assets. Uh, even though in many ways this is still a, a very novel, fast-changing, and fast-developing area, 
We've got a two to three trillion dollar trading market in uh, digital assets like Bitcoin and Ether. Uh, we've got all kinds of major financial services companies involved, uh, billions of dollars of transactions on, on DeFi, decentralized finance platforms, um, huge multi-billion dollar mining industry around digital assets. Um, and we have activity all throughout the world. Many other governments are either looking to shut this down or looking to attract activity. Uh, and for a long time, it's not true at all to say that digital assets are not regulated or the U.S. has done nothing. But the U.S. government didn't have a coordinated approach. Uh, other places have done much better at figuring out and coordinating all of the activities they need to take. Um, and so, right. so that, to me, is actually pretty similar to what happened with the Internet. So that global component, which you alluded to a moment ago, uh, that also brings up the idea of coordination, because I think to a degree there's going to have to be some sort of global coordination around cryptocurrency as well. Oh, no question. Digital assets are inherently global. Uh, blockchains are inherently global. Um, but the Internet at some level is inherently global, too. And so there's a similar question. How do you apply territorial laws that are made by governments in a particular place to global networks? It's a big question. It's a challenging question, but it's a solvable question. We, we addressed it for the Internet, um, and we can address it with digital assets as well. But it does require thought about what the rules should be and where, for example, we don't need some of the traditional rules and how governments can work together. Uh, you know, I've been running workshops for regulators from all over the world since 2017 on digital asset issues here at Wharton. And those conversations have been going on, at least informally, for a long time. They're now starting to get more formalized. Uh, the European Union uh, has just uh, voted in the European Parliament on something called MECA, which is a, a comprehensive framework for some aspects of digital assets. So they're doing a lot of internal coordination, but that also provides an opportunity for external discussions as well. And, and again, now that it's no longer just individual agencies in the U.S. trying to respond as best as possible, but there's an administration-wide strategy in the federal government that's going to make that coordination a lot easier. You have a, a comment in your piece that I, I wanted to read and, and have you expand on if you could. You said at one point in the, in the post, the ultimate issue isn't how to keep new technologies out of the financial regulatory system. It's how to put them in, even if it means changing the system. Take us through that. Well, if we are concerned about protecting investors from scams and fraud and hacks and market manipulation, then we're concerned about that regardless of whether that's happening on a traditional stock exchange or whether that's happening on a digital asset exchange or some other platform uh, that involves cryptocurrencies. And we're already seeing there, there's tremendous uh, evidence of that kind of abuse happening in various kinds of digital asset markets. So the, the question isn't, um, you know, can we avoid having the rules that protect the investors apply to investors in these assets? Um, the question is, how can we do that in a way that doesn't do too much damage to these markets. Some of the traditional rules for securities, for example, that assume transfer agents and broker dealers and all sorts of things may not be applicable to digital asset transactions. Uh, some of them may not be necessary and some of them may just not be a good fit because the market is structured very differently. Similarly, if we're concerned about money laundering, financial crime, there's a lot of discussion now about 
uh, Russia evading sanctions using cryptocurrencies. That's something that's uh, in the, the Biden executive order as well. Um, then, you know, that's an issue regardless of how they're doing it. It, it shouldn't be an issue right. of should we think about this for digital assets or not? It, it should be what's the way to address the policy concern, which is a general policy concern, in a way that makes sense given the nature of the technology. So is what was brought forward in the executive order a good first step in that process in your mind? And obviously still a lot more work still to be done in in the months and years ahead. It's a great first step. It, it doesn't do anything directly. Executive order can't substitute for either Congress legislating, which is important to happen in this area, or for administrative agencies to implement specific rules. But what it does is it provides a framework. It provides direction. The executive order directs a whole variety of parts of the federal government to produce reports on these issues. Uh, And it's very comprehensive. Much of the fight has been about a fairly narrow set of issues so far, things like securities regulation classifications applying to uh, to digital assets or cryptocurrencies. That, that's still an important issue at places like the, the SEC and, and so forth. Uh, but these issues about financial crime, issues about financial inclusion, um, the executive order has language about uh, trying to look at how can digital assets actually improve access to the financial system, which is a tremendous potential opportunity, but we need to see that it actually happens. Um, issues like energy usage of proof-of-work mining, very important concern. We need better data, and we need experts working on these issues, working through the mechanisms of these agencies. So I, I give the, the administration a good deal of credit for uh, how much work it must have taken to align all of these different groups to move forward. There's still you know, huge controversies and unsolved issues. There, there's big debates about, for example, should we create a so-called digital dollar, a central bank digital currency. Again, there's something in the executive order to push forward research on that at the Federal Reserve, but there's still hard choices we have to make. But but given where we are, uh, this is really a big step forward, and I give the administration credit for that. Can you start to theorize then maybe a little bit where the future of cryptocurrency lies, assuming that there is a path with all of this work that, you know, as you allude to, uh, will be done over the next few years, uh, and the potential level of, of government regulation we may see in and around cryptocurrency. Can you start to formulate those ideas? Oh, yeah. Fundamentally, this is the future of the financial system. The, the, the basic architecture of blockchain has certain benefits that it does not require central control. Uh, it allows a level of transparency of the ledger that uh, is not true of traditional kinds of database structures. Um, It allows for a level of certainty or trust in how certain agreements will get executed. Um, All of that potentially is going to produce a a more efficient, as well as uh, fairer and more equitable financial system, but it's not automatic. Uh, The technology also does allow for, and, and again, we see tremendous amounts of fraud and abuse uh, and, and problems. But but going forward, I, I think, you know, ultimately, this underlying set of mechanisms are going to be a, a central part of how global finance works uh, in the coming decades. And so that means we've got to work through these regulatory questions. I think, you know, no one should be in favor of investors being scammed out of all of their money. 
Um, you know, if, if we believe that uh, digital assets lead to a more open and fair and equitable system, we should be very concerned about massive concentration and holdings of assets and, and the power of certain centralized intermediaries in the digital asset world. We should be concerned about offshore activity, uh, which is engaging in what, what looks like uh, you know, very transparent fraud and market manipulation. So I, I think we're going to see the conversation evolve. It already has. Um, you know, you, you hear a lot about people saying, oh, the whole point of cryptocurrency is to avoid government regulation. And I, I think we've seen the industry mature to the point where now they are saying, no, we, we think actually government has a positive role here. Government doesn't necessarily stop innovation. Government often encourages and facilitates innovation uh, because it creates um, those guardrails uh, for trust for people to adopt these things. Kevin, great to have you back with us. Thanks for a few moments today. Absolutely. My pleasure, Dan. Take care. Thank you. Kevin Werbach, Professor of Legal Studies and Business Ethics here at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.